It's like saying, I can't handle the internet in 1995. And there were many people that couldn't. You know what happened? The internet plowed ahead and eventually you caught up. The world is going to catch up to this because there's going to be no alternative. Hello there from Bedford in the United Kingdom, the Bitcoin mecca of the world. How are you all? Bitcoin over $50,000. It keeps rising. It's crazy, right? What is going on? Anyway, listen, welcome to the What Bitcoin Did podcast, which is brought to you by the mighty Kraken, the best place to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I've got an interview with my good buddy, Bill Barheit from Arbra. We recorded this yesterday with Bitcoin sat just around $52,000, and we discussed what comes next for Bitcoin. But before we get into the interview, I do have a message from my amazing show sponsors. Okay, today I'm going to kick off with BlockFi. Now, with BlockFi, you can open up an interest account and start earning interest on your Bitcoin. I'm doing this. I've been a customer for about 14 months now. And with my interest and with my referrals, I've received over one Bitcoin, which is pretty damn cool. You can also use your Bitcoin as collateral and take out a USD loan. If you're making lots of money with your Bitcoin, you think, I want my Lambo, you can do this. And you can also fund your BlockFi account directly from your Bitcoin wallet. And with the BlockFi mobile app, you can manage your account on the go. And with the BlockFi Visa Rewards Bitcoin credit card coming very soon, they are going to crush it this year. Like they crush it every year. If you're interested in checking out BlockFi, I recommend you do your own research and then over to BlockFi.com, which is B-L-O-C-K-F-I.com. Next up, we're going to talk about my newest sponsor, Ledger. Now, Ledger was the first hardware wallet I ever used, and I'm still using the Nano I bought four years ago. That Nano S still works perfectly for me today. And if you're an Android user, you can connect your Nano S to that phone and manage your Bitcoin on the go. Listen, I'm a big fan of Ledger for the ease of use of the product and not just the device itself, but also Ledger Live, where you manage your Bitcoin, the interface for managing your Bitcoin. Now, if you want to check out the Ledger Nano S, head over to ledger.com, which is L-E-D-G-E-R.com. And next up, we're going to talk about Kraken, the only place I use for buying and selling Bitcoin right now. Why? Why, Pete? Well, Kraken is consistently rated the best and most secure crypto exchange. And I'm always telling you how important security is. They also have a best in class in customer service. So if you've got an issue, whatever that shit is, if you reach out to them, they're going to get that fixed for you. And if you want to start trading Bitcoin, they have every tool you could possibly need. So listen, whatever your level of experience, if you head over to Kraken.com, it could not be easier to sign up and start trading Bitcoin. Also, they have this beautiful mobile first app so you can buy Bitcoin on the go and with their margin trading, futures, and OTC desk, Kraken has every option covered for you. There is no better place to trade Bitcoin. You can find out more at kraken.com or download the app. It's available for the iPhone and Android. Just search for Kraken Pro, which is K-R-A-K-E-N-P-R-O. Okay, so on to the show today, and with Bitcoin crashing through $50,000, I wanted to get somebody on to talk about what this is, what it means, and there's nobody I could choose better than Bill Barhide because every time Bitcoin goes on a rally, Bill texts me, sends me a few rocket emojis. So I was like, come on, Bill, come on the show. Let's discuss this. The other thing is Bill's so fucking smart. Like when I want to cover other subjects, he just knows about everything. So the last few weeks have been pretty crazy. We obviously have the Tesla news. And then a couple of days ago, MicroStrategy, GigaChad, Michael Saylor announced that he was raising up to another 600 million. And this turned out to be 900 million to buy more Bitcoin, and he's borrowed that at 0% rate. 
Guy's fucking crazy. Love him. Anyway, it seems pretty clear that corporations are here to stay. I think it's just a matter of time until there's some more major announcements. But what comes next? Is it going to be a fang company? Who, who's going to be next, right? Will 2021 also see the year that a nation state comes out and said they've adopted Bitcoin? Now, I put all of this to Bill and he gives me an update on Arbra and what they're doing because they've got some really interesting shit coming, especially with their banking, the unbanked kind of stuff, which is really cool. I'm very excited about that. Anyway, listen, I hope you enjoy this one. If you've got any questions or feedback, you can get in touch. I do reply to everyone. Just don't send me any weird shit. My email address is hello at whatbitcoindid.com. Outside of that, go and sign up to my newsletter. That's neveredit.com. You can receive daily updates on Bitcoin, macroeconomics, and tech. And also, I've got a great show out on Defiance at the moment, covering North Korea's cyber army. Go and check that out at defiance.news. Listen, have a great weekend love you all and i'll see you all next week bill how are you man i'm great how are you i'm very good well look we're all good right now aren't we it's sure crazy time I'm, I'm good otherwise but you know couldn't be happier yeah well listen look i, I wanted to make a show after we got through fifty thousand. uh just firstly because it's a such a ludicrous number when when you think about it um but also because whenever we hit one of these big milestones I always get a text message and I pick up my phone and it's you like sending me rockets. So I was like, right, <laughs> let's well, talk to you're, Bill. You're, you're, yeah, well, you're like my, you know, Elon has his, uh, what does he call it? His meme god? I, I don't know. He's somebody who's like responsible for his memes. For some right. reason, when the price of Bitcoin goes up, I think of you. I have no idea why, but that's what I swear I do. And my, hmm. I don't know. It's not a creepy thing, I promise, but that's what... <laughs> It's, it's what I think of. But maybe maybe it's because that, that thread I started that I can't stop now. Like every time it breaks another thread. Oh, have fun retweet poor, it. right? Yeah. No, no, no. I, yeah. I've done this once. I think this thing's like 26,000. I put 26,000 done next. And then when we hit 27,000, I retweeted it. Same message. So this thing goes all the... If you click on it at 52,000, it works all the way down to 26,000. Shit, we've doubled. I didn't even realize we right. doubled in that time. So maybe right. it's that. Who knows, man? But I don't know. I don't know. But it's 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 working. Uh, it's got me thinking about Peter McCormick on a one percent price increase of Bitcoin. And there's something wrong with that. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Maybe I need incremental Peter McCormick therapy now. Uh, but um, but you know what? In the meantime, I'll take it. I've got I've got my my juice, uh, my my caffeine, and I've got my. 50,000 bottle right here. So what's that? So what's that? We're all good. Oh God, I should have had champagne. I've got a cup of coffee. Yeah, well, I've got that too. Well, you know, it's like, you know, the Bill Cosby routine on chocolate cake and grape juice. <laughs> they go perfect together. So. All right. So listen, Bill, what does, what does this mean, man? Like I, I've got a number of things I think it means, but like, what, what does this mean right now? Like, and I, not 50,000 just itself, but like generally speaking where we're at, there's so much that's happened in this last, let's say, year. I mean, we're coming up to that March dip. We're coming up to that Black Swan event. We're about a month, well, just less than a month away. Yeah. And since then, it's just been number go up, and so much has happened. But, like, what does this all mean to you now? Where, like, where are you? where's your head at with Bitcoin? I'll do mine afterwards. Where's your head at with Bitcoin? Where do you think we are in this whole thing? So so I'm, I'm very focused on my day job, which is Abra, right? And so... What this means to me is that as the price of Bitcoin goes up, it actually enables what I want to have happen, which is I want a new banking system to be created around Bitcoin. 
right? I want people to use Bitcoin as the collateral of their life. So what we're seeing with corporate balance sheets like Tesla, I want that to happen with your mom who can basically buy Bitcoin. That becomes her personal treasury. She can borrow it against it in government shit coins, pay her bills, and basically she's protected for life. And, and as the value of the asset goes up, that scenario becomes more likely. We've, we've had 200 years of death by a thousand cuts where you know we've been sold this bill of goods that you can store productivity on dead trees. That's effectively the model. If I really simplify it, what, what, what the powers that be have taught us over 200 years is that you can cut down trees, have productivity in industrial society, and store that productivity on dead trees. And then they can simply cut down more trees. It makes no fucking sense. And, and so now we finally have a vision where you can replace that with something that eventually everyone will understand, especially as you know, part of my spiel is I'm, I'm a big believer in the singularity and where this technolo technology is going. We're going to be living to 120, not, not, not me probably, but, but our grandkids will be living to 120, 140 years old. That death by a thousand cuts is going to be very acute if it's not replaced by something else before then. And, and thank God it will be. Well, look, that's a really interesting topic to, to get into, this treasury thing, because I essentially op operate with two treasuries now. I've got a company treasury and I've got, um, I've got a personal treasury. And the really interesting thing about the, the company treasury is I've, I've essentially tripled, tripled my capital the business has just by holding Bitcoin. Um, but one of the things that does cross my mind, Bill, is that this is all well and good. Now I've kind of built that buffer. It's all well and good in a bull market. But like, what if a bear market hits? You know, if we had like, if we had slow and constant steady growth, this would really work for me. Like, I get it. But there comes a time where I'll be like, hmm, perhaps I'll need to sell some of this you know, rather than just borrow against it. I'll need to sell against yeah. it because even if I borrow against it, I might, you know, you know, I might get in a position whereby there's a black swan event, the price dumps, you know, and, and you know, I'm not, I don't have enough collateral, so I either post more collateral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 That's that but whole strange scenario. You're employed. You're gainfully self-employed. So, so yep. sorry to interrupt you, but I, I, have, I have to get this out. There, there's, there's three kind of participants in this new game, right? There's the people who don't even know that the game is going on yet. There's the people that are helping to make it happen and that's like my team that's basically doing incredible heavy lifting with picks and shovels behind the scenes to facilitate the transfer from the existing system into the new system, manage custody, facilitate loans, facilitate interest payments, whatever. Uh, and, and, and some of your sponsors as well. And, and then there's the people in the middle that are in the first generation. Some of us kind of like, I would call it almost like 0.1 generation and then first generation that are helping to facilitate that transfer. So you have a unique role to play. You know, Michael Saylor has a unique role to play because he's helping to facilitate the trans transition to a new world. The people who are going to come in later aren't facilitating that transition. They're simply going to be participants in it. So you mm -hmm. have upside and downside volatility risk during that transition. It's like people who say to me, well, well, Bitcoin can't be a store of wealth because it's too volatile. Well, how the fuck do you become a store of wealth without volatility in the first place? You can't go from mm -hmm. zero on Monday to $10 trillion on Tuesday. The price has to go up. It's like saying, how do you go from zero to 60 on the highway? 
Well, you have to go to five, you have to go to 10, you have to go to 15, you have to go to 20. It's physically impossible. The laws of physics prevent you from going to zero to 60, right? Without actually going to every other speed in between, <laughs> okay? Mm -hmm. and, and so that's volatility. That's volatility and speed. Well, we have volatility and price. So we get the upside and the downside risks of being the early adopters of that transition. And it's gonna be mostly upside, but don't do it if you can't tolerate the dips of downside in between, like the seven 30% pullbacks we had in the 2017 run-up. And I fully expect five or six or seven on the way to 250,000, if not more. And, and so that's the small price that we have to pay, right, for, for being long Bitcoin as part of the transition. The people who get it later, once the transition is done, they won't care about what you and I went through along the way as early holders. It's just going to mm -hmm. be their money. It's not going to matter to them. So, so this, this narrative about, well, it's too late or it's too risky or I can't do Yeah, then, then put in less, wait, but eventually you're going to get it because eventually everyone's going to get it. And, and so yep. we're paying a very small price <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, if, if any price at all, as being part of that early transition team. You know, we're like the advanced right. okay. team in the military, right? We're basically getting this first and taking the brunt of all the, of all that comes with that with that inherent volatility on this massive run up. Well, look, I mean, I don't care about the thirty percent dips. Like, I, I think they hurt m more in your first cycle. When you're in your second cycle, you kind emotional. of yeah, but you're in the green on the second one, like on all mm -hmm. your purchases, right? What I'm thinking about: what if there's like an eighty percent drawdown? Like, say we go to two fifty, we come back to fifty. Like, I guess what you're saying to me is, Pete, don't worry, you're earning money, you can pay your bills, you can, you know, you can put food on the table. Yeah, this is a, this, we're talking about a multi-decade play here. You're building generational wealth for you and your family. So you just yeah. need to hold on to that shit. Yeah. You know, my favorite movie is Godfather 2. And, and this is the business we've chosen, <laughs> right? We've chosen to be in the middle of this massive transition. We don't have to do this. We can all make probably more traditional cash doing something else. I know I can, but I love this. I can't imagine. If I sold Abra tomorrow, you know what I would want to do? I'd want to run Abra because I can't imagine anything else I'd rather do. So this is the business we've chosen. If you can't yeah. take the, the, the trials and tribulations of being front and center in the transition, then don't do it. It's perfectly fine. You will the world will catch or you will catch up to where the world is going at some point. It's like saying I can't handle the internet in 1995, and there were many people that couldn't. You know what happened? Mm -hmm. The internet plowed ahead, and eventually you caught up. This is going to be no different. It's and and I don't say that just as like a clickbait, like whatever. The world is going to catch up to this because there's going to be no alternative. Well, listen. I love being on the front lines of this. And you say, what would I be doing if I wasn't doing this? Well, I'd just start another podcast. Like, I, lo exactly. like, I love doing this. Working with back to Bitcoin. Dude, my, my, my job today is to phone up my friend Bill and talk about Bitcoin for an hour, like, and drink a coffee. I mean, you know, I'm very fortunate. I'd probably do, I'd probably do some shows outside of Bitcoin as well. I'll tell you another interesting thing that I see happening right now, where I think things might be different this year. And I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But there seems to be this growing movement of, I'm not selling my Bitcoin. So, you know, you've got companies putting it in their treasury. I don't think Sailor is ever planning to sell his Bitcoin. And there's a lot of talk about the fact that actually what we need is just this maturing market for borrowing and lending. 
because as that matures, you know, as as that uh, improves, people will realize Bitcoin is a pristine asset, and they'll happily right. lend against it. So you can right. live your life borrowing against it, and and that potentially changes the scenario, pushes us into this kind of super cycle scenario that Dan Held talks about. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Look, uh, sailors an extreme, but you know when he and I discussed this a couple of weeks ago, his comment was, "Bill, your company's great. I don't care what your company is. Every company right now, their sole focus should be how do I get more cash to put into Bitcoin." Now that's extreme. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he has a thousand people working on software products that aren't Bitcoin, right? And in his mind right now, their their whole purpose for generating that cash flow is simply to buy Bitcoin. Now. Obviously, the average treasurer in in corporate uh, planet Earth is not thinking that way. Um, there, you know, a hundred different perspectives for hundred different companies, and that's probably not one of them. I think he's very unique in this regard. Even Musk isn't thinking that way when when he has the discussion with his CFO as to whether they should put one or five billion in in Bitcoin. I think they consider that a long term hedge on the purchasing power of their treasury. If Bitcoin goes up ten x their purchasing power is effectively protected if it's 1% or 5% of their treasury. And that's super smart. But the extreme perspective that somebody like Sailor has helps everybody else understand kind of the other side of the spectrum, which is like what Shamat talks about in terms of schmuck insurance. I don't really think schmuck insurance is the right way to explain this, but I get it, right? I mean, if, if Apple's biggest risk, in my opinion, right, is, is not that people don't want the iPhone. It's that they've generated all this cash flow that is eroding in value. Their purchasing power is falling. They don't want to give it back to the shareholders because, in theory, they should be able to generate a higher return than just what dividends can generate. They can't produce new product fast enough. So at a minimum, your purchasing power of that cash should be protected. Right? Apple has a problem that Bitcoin isn't even worth enough yet for Apple to put a meaningful percentage of their treasury in there. To, to actually do the scenario I just described. If Apple mm-hmm. wanted to put 5% of their treasury in Bitcoin, Bitcoin would have to be worth you know, probably 10x what it is now, right? Which, which is one of the reasons why they're not going to be the next one to do it. It's probably going to be Google that's going to do it in a smaller amount. And oh, you think they're, Google? They're more tech but my point is, is that we're all going to get there in our own way. You have the extreme of sailor, you have the pessimists in shift, and, and everybody's going to get there in their own way. And it's just going to seem logical at the end, just like all exponentially growing technologies seem intuitively obvious once it's happened. But you have to admit, if you were there at the beginning, it's not. I mean, having a supercomputer in in your hands is not intuitively, intuitively obvious to the average consumer in 1969, you know, when they put this massive computer with eight bytes in it on a, on a rocket ship, you know. So, so it, it's just a natural evolution that we have to go through. It's interesting you said Google might be somebody who considers it next. Because um, I've, I've, you know, like everyone else, I've been kind of wondering who might yeah. be next. Um, I th- I was fully expecting Square slash Twitter to do a much larger buy. Yeah. So so a couple of things. When I say Google next, I'm talking really about the FANG, kind of the, okay. the top six or seven big tech companies. We're onboarding mid-sized companies every day at Abernow who are putting really? money in both Bitcoin wow. uh, as well as um, our dollar uh, interest accounts where they're earning 10%. So even at the 10% dollars, they're they're kind of neutral in terms of like purchasing power protection. You know, obviously I have a stronger feeling about the Bitcoin purchase. And so literally every day, no exaggeration, you know, every business day. 
And, and but these are mostly small companies, right? Mid-sized companies. Uh, some of them you've never heard of. Some of them might be well-funded startups. Some of them are even venture capital funds. Venture capital funds are now doing this, mostly with Do their dollars into stable coins, but also some Bitcoin exposure. This is, you know, what's happened in the last few months has really enabled what the techies have gotten all along, but can't go back to, if you're a venture fund, your LPs and say, yeah, we're just going to take your cash and put a bunch of it in Bitcoin while we're waiting to make our investments. Now they probably don't even have to discuss it. They just do it. At least the ones you know that we're probably is, though. Probably is, Bill. Like, I've talked about this before. There's someone like me who was a Bitcoiner, and then I saw what Sailor was doing. I was like, yeah, shit, I should put my company money in because all I ever need is six to eight weeks cash flow. It's all I ever need. So you weren't yeah. storing your company money in Bitcoin before? <laughs> no. No, it didn't even cross my mind. But look, look in yeah. fairness, I was growing. There wasn't a lot of spare sure. cash. Sure. You know, so, so for uh, us, forever, it's a little bit different. We actually generate our um, our margin contribution in Bitcoin because of the way our trading system and our interest earning products work. Then the question is, do we ever do we convert it out of Bitcoin? And so um, when when we weren't profitable, we had no choice because we needed the yeah. cash flow. Now that we're actually very profitable, we keep like the vast majority in Bitcoin, and we take out what we need as we need it. Um, and it, it fluctuates a little bit because some months are more profitable than others. It's still volatile in that regard. But but we're also unique in that most companies aren't generating their profit in Bitcoin itself. Uh, yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And so it's interesting to have the opposite problem. Well, well, I was similar. Like, um, I was I just didn't have the money, like, because I was growing it and building it, you know, building yeah. my team. And it got to the, about the middle of last year. No, no. Yeah, but maybe the middle of last year. And I started to, like, build excess profits. And so I started from about 10K, I started putting in and scaled it in. You know, I scaled in quite a bit, but one of the, one of, I'll tell you this one, this one's really interesting. So I had a new sponsor sign up in January and it's, you know, X price for the year. Um, I offered them a 10% discount if they did it. Okay. But they had to pay up front in Bitcoin. And they did it okay. straight away. That is already up, I think, 78%. Right. And if they, I mean, you could have also just bought the Bitcoin, but still. Yeah, of course, yeah, just, yeah. Just saved you but, the hassle, right? Yeah. But the point is, is that like, I, you know, I did this because I am a Bitcoiner and then I saw Sailor do it and I was like, oh, I can do that. So what are, the point I was trying to get to is like, are the people coming to you? Are these people already Bitcoiners who are running businesses or are these just. So, okay. So I have a strong feeling about this because I see this. I talk to a lot of hedge funds. Yeah, a lot of big uh, asset managers that we all know behind the scenes where we're talking to them. And so I'm going to I'm going to an answer your question, then I'm going to answer kind of a tangential question you didn't ask. Let me answer the tangential question first because I think it's just okay. as interesting. Which is, I see boardrooms and management teams at all these large asset managers all already own Bitcoin themselves, all of them, right? Mm -hmm. Or or they're 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 getting into it now, right? But, but there's none of them that either aren't thinking about it, doing it, or have already done it. And, and a large percentage of them have already done it, maybe in you know, smaller amounts for them relative to their overall net worth, but they've done it. So now they're saying, okay, what's happening in the, in the real world is actually enabling me to do for my asset management company, my funds, what I've already done for myself, which before wasn't really an option because they didn't want to have that discussion with their LPs. So now back to your other question, I think... Again, what's happened with Sailor and Musk and Square and you know other companies and, and is is this has enabled mid-sized companies to do this. Now we also have th their individual accounts, but we have a lot of professionals at Abra that are doctors, lawyers, uh, even plumbers, 
right, that are storing a significant amount of their net worth in Bitcoin and sorry, but Ethereum as well. And, and, you know, they love it. Right. And, and so that those are businesses, they're just individually owned businesses, which is kind of somewhere in between the companies and what you're doing because you have employees. Right. And so a lot of them don't necessarily have employees or maybe they have one or two employees. Right. And, and, and so what's, again, what's happened really is, is everyone feels enabled to start to dig into this now and they won't be ridiculed or won't be deemed insane for saying, oh, I'm going to put part of my treasury in Bitcoin because it's going to be protected, right? Well, if you had said my treasury is going to be protected in 2015 by putting in Bitcoin, you know, people would say, I think you got your words backwards, right? Uh, you know, because it's kind of a, a lot of people would have said, hey, that's a scheme for getting getting poor quick, right? Because either they didn't understand or they didn't have that long-term view or they didn't understand just what Bitcoin was all about. Yeah, you know, it's, it's really super interesting because the other thing is once you start doing this, you start trying to chip in to the Bitcoin in other ways. Like I turned around to all my team and said, look, for next month, you can have part of your salary in Bitcoin. What do you want? And I've got a range of like 5 to 20%. I'm going to do probably 10, 15% myself. I'm thinking about my BlockFi card when I can get that and I can actually buy things and get my cash back. Like everything else has become kind of meaningless. But I still haven't figured out in my head, like, am, am I just caught up in the FOMO of all, of all of this or does it all make sense? I think it, I think it kind of makes sense. But what I am then wondering, the more we do this with Bitcoin, are we actually also, is, are we compounding the destruction of fiat currency? I don't know. I mean, the, the traditional economy is really big, right? Mm. So it's really big. Uh, you know, we, we have no problem paying people in, in Bitcoin. Um, our, our employees are actually in some cases working for more stock. So it's, it's in some cases they need the cash. And so it's, 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 it's not really that big a deal. You know, we, we're happy to pay people in Bitcoin or dollars. We have a lot of international employees. We pay them however they want. It's, it's not a, it's not a problem for us because we also have a, a, an infrastructure that allows us to move between fiat and, and, and crypto and stable coins, obviously very quickly, because it's what we do for Mm -hmm. a living. Um, but I think that. The bigger picture here is when are we going to see the, the biggest Fortune 100 companies moving into treasuries with crypto, moving their treasuries into crypto? When are we going to see the first countries talk about how they're mm. going to be storing their own uh, either uh, wealth in crypto, sovereign wealth funds moving to crypto, you know, saying we're moving away from the dollar? Now, in, in much the same way that technology, that China kind of leapfrogged kind of our 50s, 1950s, 60s, 70s technology base in the 90s and 2000s, I actually can foresee African countries leapfrogging our existing financial system and in some ways just saying, hey, screw the dollar. We're going to go where the the petrodollar is dead anyway. We're just going to go right to a uh, a crypto Bitcoin based economy and, and deal with the movement in and out of dollars when we need to. And as the U.S. government is irresponsibly just printing more and more and more money, we're fully protected. And and so I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing like African countries and maybe some Eastern European countries come into that discussion just like as if they were a Fortune 100 company, uh, because a lot of these Fortune 100 companies are are you know just as big as African countries now, right? And so, yeah. so they have kind of the same the same problem. A lot of them do. Um, like think in dollar terms because historically they have no choice because they've all experienced hyperinflation. So Bitcoin makes perfect sense to kind of leapfrog 
from a technology and money perspective, what the West is doing. Well, they get to be the micro, the, whoever goes first gets to be the micro strategy of nation states, yeah. right? Uh, I said this yeah. uh, somebody about a week ago in that when Michael Saylor you know, came into our lives like a fucking whirlwind and didn't just say, oh, I'm buying a bit of Bitcoin, I'm buying 450 million and then I'm buying another 650 million and then I'm putting another 10 in and another 10 and then another 900. Like, yeah. yeah. When he first came in and he was, you know, I think the average price was like 11,111, whatever, something around that. I think a lot of people were like, what are you up to, mate? Like, right. you've wasted half your treasury. Now he looks like an absolute genius. Right. I think there is an opportunity for a nation state to do similar. I mean, oh, maybe one's already it. doing it. Yeah. Oh, huge. I mean, if, if, if one country leader would step up and say, we're going to create a kind of a, a crypto friendly zone in Africa, where uh, we're going to create a tax-friendly regime. We're going to basically put all kinds of incentives for crypto entrepreneurs. We're going to put a very simple kind of licensing system in place to get, you know, the equivalent of like a, a bank license, but for crypto. So you could deal with the bank rails in and out. And it's going to be very startup friendly. And we're going to put incentives in place for like angel investors and venture capitalists. And it's going to be like a crypto haven. Could you imagine like the number of people that would want to flock there, not yeah. only from from uh, existing African countries, but from all over the world. You know, why yeah. are Americans moving to Wyoming? You know, of all places, Wyoming was never discussed in my world for the first twenty five years of my career in in tech. All of a sudden, everybody's talking about Wyoming. The last few weeks, a lot of people have been talking about Miami. Now, now, as a city, they're not a city state, right? They're in the state of Florida. They're not Singapore. The, 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 the mayor can only do so much because he operates within the confines of the state law. And, and you know, Florida's pretty, you know, tax friendly. They have pretty strict money transfer laws. So there's not a, it's not like Wyoming yet, but it could become like Wyoming, right? So, mm -hmm. so my, my point is, is imagine if an African country with a reasonable leader that wasn't so much a dictatorship actually did something like this, it would be a big boom to that country, in my opinion. Well, this was all Balaji's argument about India. I don't know. If, did you read his article? Yeah, I did. And, yeah, and I fantastic. Him, um, I've been railing about this for months. You know, I just don't get it. How the largest, uh, in theory, the largest, and I'm using air quotes right now for the listeners, that, you know, how could you be a democracy? And, you know, the U.S. Supreme Court has come out clearly that that software which is, you know, ones and zeros, which at the end of the day is what Bitcoin is, is protected free speech. Mm -hmm. And how can the largest democracy in the world now for the fourth time, literally the fourth time, come out and say, we're going to ban what effectively is free speech? It's insane. Yeah, well, do you know what I think it is? I just think it's a lack of education about what it is. And it's reading the headline stories which we know are always the same kind of bullshit so they're probably being yeah. fed this will be because they have a big problem with people not paying tax in india yeah um well there's a false big... narrative around money laundering yeah uh, you know and and tax evasion and all these things that are already happening via their banking system right and mm. and so what i would say is i would say hey go look at what happened in the u.s with silk road right and you had these 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 nefarious FBI agents that got caught because they actually were using Bitcoin, yeah, right? They shouldn't have been doing what they were doing in the first place. I would actually posit 
you probably have a better chance of, um, you know, figuring out how to put a fair tax system in place with Bitcoin than you do with corrupt banks. And I know a lot of my banking friends listen to this. They go, come on, Bill, get you, you know, that's ridiculous. And I'm sorry, but the biggest money launderers in the world by far are banks. Mm -hmm. There's no there's no close second. And it used to be U.S. banks. They're still on the top five. Now, European banks and the euro has kind of become easier for the criminals to, to access as long as they shut out kind of Americans. Right. Uh, and, and so it's a little bit of a moving target like whack-a-mole. But it's like it's still the banks at the end of the day. And so it's just a completely they're asking themselves the wrong question. This this false narrative about money laundering and tax evasion. We have the same problem in, in the U.S. and in Europe as well, where it's, it's more in the U.S., where, where these, these uneducated, uh, ignorant uh, politicians just assume that when they hear Internet or hear crypto, it's, it's, all, it's all money laundering and child porn and the same mm. shit I've been talking about for, you know, hearing for 25 years. Next up, I talked to Bill more about what's next for Bitcoin. But before that, I've got a message from my amazing show sponsors. Okay, we're going to kick off with Casa, the best in security for Bitcoin. Now, I've been a customer for something like nine months now. It's gone so quick. I can't believe it. I didn't have my shit together. And I reached out to Nick, the CEO. I was like, Nick, my Bitcoin security needs sword and help me out. And he was like, here, here you go. Here's my team. Let's get you set up. And I became a Casa customer. And this is great because this has given me so much protection, firstly, for my own stupid mistakes, which I'm very capable of. But I'm also protected from in-person attacks, device failure, and so much more. And with Bitcoin rallying, I know some of you out there, you're making gains, I know it, and you haven't got your Bitcoin security sorted. Now listen, go and check out Casa. They have a product for every Bitcoiner. So with Casa Gold, look, you get triple the security of a hardware wallet, and that's only going to cost you $10 a month. With Casa Platinum, you get what I've got, which is their three or five multi-sig. And with Casa Diamond, you get their full service offering, which I'm probably going to upgrade to when my renewal comes up. And that includes a customized personal security review, inheritance planning, and of course, their best in class in security. There is no better time to upgrade your Bitcoin security and get total peace of mind. You can find out more at keys.casa, which is K-E-Y-S dot C-A-S-A. Next up, we've got sportsbet.io. Now, they are the best place for online gaming because they're not like any other online gaming firm because they accept Bitcoin because they're badasses. Now, the other great thing about Sportsbet.io is they want to support Bitcoin. So they have put the Bitcoin logo on the front of a Premier League football shirt. So if you're watching Southampton and you see the logo, you've got to thank Sportsbet.io. Now with Sportsbet, you have every market you could be possibly interested in. If you want to bet against Tottenham losing, I mean, you won't get good odds, but you can do that. They've got football, they've got tennis, they've got US sports, motorsports, they've even got esports. And for you new customers out there, they will definitely have a promotion for you. They've always got new promotions available. Just head over to sportsbet.io forward slash promotions to find out more. And that's S-P-O-R-T-S-B-E-T dot I-O forward slash promotions. And lastly today, but never least because no sponsor is least, we've got Exodus Wallet. Now, they've been a sponsor for over a month. And as I said, I'm increasingly running my company on Bitcoin. I get paid in Bitcoin. I pay people in Bitcoin. I'm even going to be starting to pay some of my team's salary in Bitcoin. What I needed was a desktop wallet solution that I could use at the end of each month on my computer just to manage those inflows and outflows of Bitcoin and have the audits I needed. So when Exodus came out to me and they were like, Pete, we want to sponsor the show, I took a look at the product and I was like, dudes, this is what I need. 
So I signed up and I am now using it every month to manage the flows of my business. So if you want to check Exodus out, head over to exodus.com, search for Exodus in the Google app or app stores, or just Google Exodus in the Google search engine. The interesting thing about India is the, the country's done so well from open source software projects. Right. Um, and I think what Balaji's article you know, points out is that all they're going to do is they're going to push people out of India. They're just Absolutely. going to push the talent. That just for no beneficial gain, they're going to push the talent out, um, and and ultimately probably be a decision they reverse. Unless we end up with this kind of like, you know, two, two different worlds where we have like crypto friendly and um, you know you know crypto unfriendly, because there is a chance you have kind of China, Russia, Brazil, India, all kind of unfriendly to crypto, and the rest of the world right. is friendly. And I right. don't know how that plays out, but the the. And I don't know if it's just because of my own bias for being in Bitcoin, but when I read through Balaji's article, I was like, this is such an obvious opportunity and a game changer for India as a country, like just in terms of bringing capital into the country. I, I think India would be the single best opportunity. Take everything I said about after the African example mm -hmm. and pick it up and move it to India. You have some of the, probably the largest educated base of engineers and software developers in the world. Yep. People who are highly motivated. They worked, I mean, I've worked with Indian developers for 20 years. They work their asses off. They love software. They love engineering. This is part of why I'm very surprised that we don't see a lot of protests and screaming about this topic. Because in some ways, the average kind of educated Indian should get this even more than the average educated American. Right. Um, and that that surprises me a little bit. I think there's their democracy is a little bit more accepting of and a little bit less skeptical of the powers that be, at least publicly. Right. Mm -hmm. In the United States, we're, we're very public about our disdain and distrust, distrust for centralized power. Right. I don't I, I'm not an expert in Indian culture, but I get a feeling they're, that they're just more accepting of, of that. And I think if they just basically said we're going to create right? This, this hub, they have the same problem with traditional banking too. The RBI mm -hmm. has been horrible to the remittance space, horrible. And I used to work in, the, I used to run a remittance company. And I can tell you they had the, it's completely backwards. They've created a very small power base like China has with WePay among a small number of payments companies, which has basically destroyed a lot of competition in the country. It's very difficult to break through in the payment space in India because of the way RBI has set it up. And, and so I think somebody with the, the, the guts to, to basically tackle this head on needs to come in and say, hey, we're going to create an innovation and technology hub in India centered around financial technology, remittances, crypto, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin. Uh, we're going to basically create a tax haven for this and we're going to embrace it. And, and, and by the way, our government is going to invest in Bitcoin. Could you imagine if the Indian government came out and said we're and, and I think Balaji wrote about this as well, that we're actually going to buy Bitcoin which is obviously the opposite of, of their current perspective. And, and, and it would be not only a game changer for, for our business, which is fine. Our business is going to be fine either way, but, but for the country and, and the amount of innovation and venture dollars that would start to flood the market, you know, the, 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 the Peter Thiels of the world, the, the contrarians who look at these markets that nobody else is, everybody else is afraid of, they'll start to stand up and say, hey, we should be investing in this country. Well, right. look, if they buy like, I think, I think Balaji suggested like 3 billion, like if they buy 3 billion of Bitcoin today, they've probably got 30 billion within a year or two years, you know, yeah. and it's only, it's only going up. They put themselves in such an advantageous position from everyone else. 
They've got the investor opportunity, as you said, because with crypto, we've got these new billionaires who've got they've got to deploy capital somewhere. Right. Um, and it's the talent. So look, it, it all makes sense to me. I, I, well, keep I've in mind, these... by the way, the U.S. government is one of the largest holders of Bitcoin. Right, because they haven't disposed of all the Bitcoin they've confiscated via all of their their other efforts. Right, the, the, the Treasury and, and a lot of that gets disposed via the Marshall Service over time, like the Silk Road money and the FBI confiscated money. Yeah, what's the deal with and, that? And, Why, and so, do you think so, they're doing sorry? it on purpose? Do you think they're holding it on purpose? There's like, a, mm, we should wait and see. I, I don't know. I think I think a lot of it is just the disposition schedule. Maybe they have certain um, people who are on trials, or you know, right. there, there's legal processes and and, do, and you know everything has to run its course, right? And and it may be that legally, depending upon how certain cases work out, people are entitled to get certain Bitcoin back. And right. it might be cheaper for the government to hold it than to have to buy it back later. I, yeah, I really don't know. I just made that up. So there's many reasons. Or or they could have like a, a disposition schedule that they're working through to get rid of Bitcoin on a multi-year basis. I have no idea. Or or they figured out what we figured out, which is, hey, the price is going up. We may as well just just hold on to it as we and sell it as we go, and yeah. we look like we look brilliant. I don't know. I, 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 I think no it's the uh, the is it the Bulgarian government now? Their Bitcoin position is worth more than their gold position. I think How did Bulgarian. they get it in the first place? Was it confiscation? Yeah, it was, it was confiscation. Yeah, I'll try, I'll try and look it up. Yeah, they got something. Was it like two hundred thousand Bitcoin? Is it, isn't that what happened in Iran via the miners that were confiscated as well? Uh, maybe I have the story uh, wrong. Or maybe it was Venezuela. One of them, I thought, confiscated a whole bunch of miners that they kept running. Yeah, so the Bulgarian government seized more than 200,000 Bitcoin from the results of an organized crime crackdown in May 2017. Uh, The sting resulted in the arrest of 23 Bulgarians. The Bitcoin was valued 3.3 billion at the time. I don't know what that's... What's 200,000 Bitcoin now? Yeah. 100,000 is... What were the criminals doing with the wallets that the government was so easily able to access it? I have no idea. Let's get the let's get let's see what this is worth. Bitcoin dollar exchange rate. Right. What did you say? What is it worth? So it's worth uh eight 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 million, right? Or two hundred thousand. No, it's, it's worth uh eight eight uh, eight billion. Ten point three billion, I've got it. Yeah. Yeah. Ten point three billion. So they got ten point three billion. They could have a hundred billion in a year. <laughs> yeah. And and, and so you know, in this in this way, many governments are holding Bitcoin. It's yeah. just not a proactive investment. What I'm saying is India should simply bite the bullet and make the proactive investment. And it would be a complete game changer, not only for India and their standing in the world, not just buying Bitcoin, but, but creating an ecosystem, a, a, a fintech cryptocurrency, Bitcoin friendly ecosystem around it that included taxes. And, and so they're so paranoid about tax evasion that it's given them the opposite perspective than what they really should have. I think their tax receipts will go up tremendously if they change their attitude and change their mindset. Um, and, and so I, I, maybe the, the perception, and Balaji didn't really write about this as much. I think there's a psychology amongst the poor that says, well, the rich just evade taxes and so should I. And, and so I don't know how you break that cycle, but somebody has to have the guts and the balls to basically be the first one to step up and say, we're doing this backwards. Well, there's a couple already, at, like in Africa, of situations. So there's this thing that's been floating around with Kenya. Now, Investing.com's got the article, but I still haven't seen it widely confirmed. But Kenya turns to Bitcoin to fight depreciating shilling. And we saw that um, Nigerian, I think he's, he's a senator, so that's only a politician who talked about that. Yeah. The, 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 uh, the, is it the Nari? Is it the Nari, the, the Nigerian yeah. currency? So, so he says it's the essentially the worthless. 
than, than yeah, Irish. It's essentially well, worthless. I mean, so, so what was really impressive about what happened in, in, in Nigeria was that um, whoever transcribes their Twitter feed, uh, the official Twitter feed from the Senate, was pretty much verbatim providing commentary from the Senate on Bitcoin, both pro and con, as it mm. relates to, you know, um, their economy. And, and one senator in particular was basically saying, hey, Bitcoin lays bare the fact that our money is worthless. And, and, and like, wow, I mean, <laughs> who has the guts, uh, you know, to stand up and say that? And so I, I, I was very, I was pleasantly surprised that anybody was willing to say that publicly. I think there was one U.S. senator um, who stood up when uh, David Marcus was uh, testifying about Libra, who basically talked about how crypto basically uh, is, a, is a danger to the military industrial complex because it, it, it basically puts our status as a global reserve currency at risk and, and basically lays bare the fact that, you know, this is effectively a, a propagated uh, a scheme that we created mm-hmm. from nothing that the world is buying into. And, and therefore, Bitcoin is bad for the United States. And he actually just came out and said it. <laughs> right. So yeah, uh, it, every once in a while, we get we get people who are willing to make these um, obvious statements that shock everyone else because we just don't talk about it. And this guy in Nigeria said the same thing. And I, I'll just keep I'll just say the same thing. They should do exactly what we're talking about, right? Which is just the Naira has to go, and and their economy is small enough where if they said we're going to make a ten year transition, or remember like the transition to the euro, right? Yep. We we all you know we're old enough where we lived through that, and we remember acutely that there was problems in the early days with price fixing when people couldn't mentally get their arms around the value of a Deutschmark or or you know or the European currencies versus the versus the euro, and we worked and we worked it out within a couple of years. If, if Nigeria did that, their economy is small enough where they would be able to make the transition. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The only thing is, I, st- I still think they will need some form of sovereign currency or some form of... Or ephemeral payments. Yeah, because you, you, you yeah. still can't, even if it's a number go up, you still can't have that kind of so, volatility. Right. So the way you do that, right, the way you do that is you, you create a, a government-issued shitcoin yeah. that is backed... In, in Bitcoin reserves, yeah. right? That's only a fraction of your reserves, ideally, right? Yeah. And you circulate that through the banking system, right? And it's it's used via the banking system for payments, and it can be denominated in Naira or whatever. Mm. And and but the, the but the public is now being trained that that they should keep their personal treasury in Bitcoin and come in and out of this kind of ephemeral Naira as and and I say ephemeral because when you make a payment, the payment is instant. And the other party can actually go back to Bitcoin if they want to. And they yeah. don't have to worry about the cost of moving what amounts to, you know, 25 cents around, um, you know, via a, a Bitcoin blockchain. And, and so maybe in 10 years, lightning will, you know, be so simple and so pervasive in, in every nook and cranny of society that you don't need that, you know, um, that, that sovereign money. Uh, but for now, that's probably the easiest way to solve the problem. And I just I find it hard to believe that with everything happening and, and the momentum now that we have in, in small business in particular, but a few examples of large businesses moving treasury part, part of treasury to Bitcoin, that we're not going to see a developing country or a third world country do the same thing. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm just like waiting to see what it is. And also, yeah, in some ways, it depends on the strategy. It kind of makes sense not to declare it. If you if you've got an ongoing accumulation strategy, if you've got right. like a one one off, let's boost the price thing, then it's different. 
Um, just a side point. You mentioned Libra there. I, I last time I saw you in person was actually in your office. We made a show of, when I was doing a show right. about uh, Libra. I think was that the last time I saw you. I that was think about so. thirty years ago, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, God knows, man. Do we know what's going on with that? Because I know you you were. Pre- I, I know it's changed the name. Because um, I think Facebook's another interesting one where I would be surprised if they're not looking at Bitcoin. Certainly, crypto broadly. Yeah. So, so this is kind of a refresher on how all of that transpired and how it relates to Bitcoin. So, first yeah. of all, um, the scuttlebutt is is that David Marcus, who I know a little bit, he's kind of you know here in, in the valley with me, um, that he's a very large holder of Bitcoin and has been for years. So, we can just put aside the question of whether or not he's into Bitcoin or gets it. I, I think it's fake complete that he gets it and has gotten it probably longer than some of, of, of our shared listeners for our own audiences get it, okay? So let's put that aside for a second. I think originally the question for them was, we want to create a system where WhatsApp users and Instagram messaging users and Facebook messenger users can basically send money globally. Originally thinking about remittances, again, the India example, uh, Philippines, Mexico, Middle East to, 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 to India, places where remittances can still cost up to you know, in the, on the high end, 15%, but on the, on the low end, like seven, even 7% of funds. And, and that's a very noble goal. And Morgan and others who started the project realized, hey, we can't do this right now with Bitcoin because um, there's not enough Bitcoin to go around. We would, we, our system would break. The fees would be too high. But pretty much the same discussion we had as if, as if um, you know, a Nigeria or, or a Kenya basically, you know, adopted Bitcoin. They, they would have the mm-hmm. same problem. And they, you know, that, that's fair. We, 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 you know, Bitcoin is basically moving towards digital gold. It's moved away from the original concept of, of, of the, the, the other headline in the, in the white paper, which was peer-to-peer payments. And that's fine. That's what the market has evolved into. And so they said, well, we can't do it that way. Now, in my opinion, the logical interim step would have been build a better PayPal. Yeah. Right? Because your advantage here is not better technology. It's the fact that you've got 2 billion people running these messenger apps. So who gives a shit? What the technology platform is, just get, build it and give it away. And they would have been live if they had done that a year and a half ago, getting happy payment users, making money, taking on Western Union. And then in parallel, you basically start looking at what's happening with the crypto world. Right. So in my opinion, this whole Diem Libra currency side project that they've spun out is a massive, unnecessary distraction, massive, unnecessary distraction. Worst case, you, you develop a stable coin like Circle has, you put a bunch, you put the cash in a bank and you make it a, I know you don't want to hear it, but you make it a, a Ethereum smart contract for now. And then mm-hmm. later on, you can migrate it to Lightning or Bitcoin if you want to, but you, you operate, and, and, and Marcus obviously knows how to do this because he ran PayPal. And, and, and so I think I, I would be surprised if they had it to do over again, they would do it the same way they've already done it. But I think they're too far down the path and maybe they'll surprise yeah. us with the value proposition of what they're developing and you know, something turns out to be like Solana or, you know, Polkadot. I know you don't spend a lot of time on those technologies, mm. but you know, they are interesting versus Ethereum. But it was not necessary, in my opinion. Yeah, There's, but, yeah. you know, and so anyway, sorry for the diatribe. I just, it's just disappointing to me that um, they yeah. have all the brain power that's somewhat misfocused, in my opinion. Well, I'm really interested to see what them and Twitter does, because they do have these platforms. They do have these people. They have the opportunity yeah. for people to be able to move currency between them, whatever the currency is. Um, I was always interested in what Libra was going to do, but the, the problem is, is I'm, I'm starting to not care anymore. Um, yeah. 
it's been so long and I think everything's kind of moved beyond them. I, I, right. I just wonder what it will be, but I think they probably should have done what you said. I do have, um, I've got two other topics I want to get into and I'm just going to be conscious of time. Right. And I know you'll be able to answer both these really, really well. Okay. <laughs> the first one. Who's going to win the next <laughs> Formula One season? Well, it'll be probably Lewis Hamilton. Do you like the Formula One? Oh God, I'm a, I'm a fanatic. Are you kidding me? I, not only I watch the races over and over again. Um, who is who are the Red Bull drivers? Uh, well, it has changed, right? Because um, it's now, uh, isn't it? Albon is now joined. Um, what's his name? The Dutch guy, um, Max uh, Verstappen. Yeah. So well, one of my mates from school is Max uh, Verstappen's race engineer. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. So if you if you you know like you hear him on the headphones, and he's always yeah, saying to me, "Come to a cool. come to a race." So so I tell you what, with the US Grand Prix in Austin, if it happens, if we're flying, we'll go and. Absolutely. I, I go. I go every year. So please come. I want to do a crypto party. I've always wanted to. And then with COVID, it, it didn't happen. And so that would be awesome. Well, it always happens around my birthday because my birthday is Halloween. So it's always like the end of October, start of November. Yeah, so we'll yeah. do that and, and I'll, I'll speak to him and see what we can do. All right. Uh, well, obviously, Lewis Hamilton is going to win until he retires, right? No, we'll see. I yeah, hope we'll not. See. I need some more competition. Well, listen, no, there are two things I did want to ask you. The first All one right, is... Let's how the fuck can Michael Saylor borrow $900 million at 0%? I don't understand. I don't understand. Like, I mean, my assumption is, is because they would rather get 0% because they're getting nothing elsewhere. They're getting less than 0% elsewhere. Well, okay. So the question is twofold. It's, my understanding is it's, it's their convertible notes, right? Yeah. And, and so, uh, which means either, you know, effectively they're diluting the existing shareholders at some point um, or they basically pay back the money. And, and he doesn't want to sell the cash uh, or, or sell Bitcoin or anything else to pay back shareholders. So the shareholders are basically betting that, OK, if he's going to buy Bitcoin with this, which is 100 percent likelihood, and that's driving up the share price, is this a better store of value for us than just putting it in treasuries or putting it in the bank or putting it in S&P, you know, uh, ETF? And, and so there's enough diversification in those markets where... The existing people who have lent money who've seen the share price go up say, yeah, this guy's a good bet, right? He's kind of insane, but the Bitcoin price is going up. It's it's kind of quasi becoming a, or it's becoming a quasi Bitcoin ETF in some ways. Of course. You know, some premium probably. It's fine. Let's just do it. And and so I don't think it's a question of is a negative interest yielding bond market a better bet versus something else. It's more like, okay, he's created an ETF, a Bitcoin ETF like structure. And that seems like a good bet for us. And, and so, you know, 900 million seems like a shit ton of money, but at the end of the day, relative to the corporate bond markets, it's really not. And, and so given his, his, his track record, he's going to get it done. So, but, so is this essentially a competitive product, product for bonds? Of course. I mean, look, you, you know, anything that basically in a negative yielding market uh, can generate a return via equities markets, especially with Bitcoin attached right now, is going to be a very, very attractive in, in the fixed income world, right? Because it's, mm -hmm. you know, the bond market is collapsing as far as I can, as far as I'm concerned, and it's worthless. <laughs> so here's a way to basically leverage what, what amounts to a worthless market to get an asset that's worth something. Is there anything here that the SEC would be looking at going and to be suspicious about or concerned? Or is, it... closures, is he being yeah. very clear on what he's doing with the money? I don't think he can be more clear than what he's been. Right. His message to me every time we talk is stop what you're doing and buy Bitcoin. <laughs> <Right>? so, <laughs> well, are you, are you not you're not tempted to do the same for Arbor. 
raised well, 500 I mean, million. We take our profits in, 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 in Bitcoin already, and, and it's a question of whether or not we sell, and by and large, we don't. Um, you know, as a private company, I'm not, I, I, I'm totally focused on growing our user base, which, which results in more free cash flow, which results in more Bitcoin. We're not a, we're not, we don't have access to debt markets the way, the way a large public company does. Right. He's actually a mid-sized public company. He's not even a large one. <laughs> no. uh, and, and so we talk about sailor like he's a god in crypto and, and most people have never heard of him. I mean, and, 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 and so that's really makes this story even more incredible. Um, and, and so you know, I as a, as a small private company or a growing small private company, I, I don't really see how that's possible. But eventually, I could see us being a public company and doing that. But mm -hmm. in the meantime, we're just hodling as fast as we can. Hodling, man. All right. Well, listen. The last thing I want to get into with you um, is, I, I, you know, as you know, in my show at the start of each episode, I say, look, email me if you've got any questions. Yeah, I'll get back to everyone. And most of the time, it's like basics. And then sometimes it's like, oh, I want you to make a show about. Do you know what I'm being asked about? Them? What do you think I'm being asked about the most right now? Oh, uh, God. I can't even imagine. I mean, uh, price is like an obvious thing. Uh, which service do I use? No, How do I, I get started? Bor I don't know. Borrowing and lending. It's all borrowing and lending. Honestly, I reckon I'm getting five emails yep. a day just on that subject. Uh, you know, as you know, like you've got that product. Uh, one of my sponsors, Blockfires, and people. Firstly, it's like, do you trust them? And secondly, how much would you leave with them? But after that, it's like, how is this sustainable? How does this work? You know, yeah. how are they making yeah. their yields? You know, uh, and, and there's a lot of suspicion around it now. Yeah, there should be. There should be. Okay, so you, um, but you offer a similar product, right? Yeah, yeah. We compete directly with Blockfi. I, okay. I like Zach and friend. We talk every once in a while, and and the reality is, it's like saying. You know, there's thousands of banks in the world. I think there's going to be dozens of crypto banks eventually. I think there'll be a few big winners like Abra and BlockFi. And I think people owe it to themselves in the earliest days when we're talking about, you know, less than 20 billion in assets under management. Now, keep in mind, there's less than 20 billion in assets under management in the crypto banking space. But this is a space that didn't exist four years ago. Yeah, yeah. From nothing. And the well, fact so that it's basically in managing 10, 11 figures of capital is astounding. Right. So well, let's so, get into the yeah yeah. The, I'm going to get into the details because it's not yeah. Block Five VR, right? You know, I like both businesses and I trust yeah, them both. Sure. I, I get it. I like and, and, and the model is the same for for, yeah. for both of us, and and we we have nuances to how we do things a little bit differently, but other, it's mostly the same. And, and and so we take deposits as as Bitcoin, uh, as Ethereum dollars. Dollars are converted to in our system either True USD or USDC. You can earn ten percent on the dollars and up to 5% on the, the crypto deposits, okay? And what happens is, is that two things happen with those deposits if you're earning interest, and it's similar if you're borrowing. So I'll, I'll describe both scenarios. If you're, if you're earning interest, what happens is, is that they go into our interest earning account. That, that amounts to about 25% reserves, which is way more than any one person's deposits, obviously. And so you, you have near real-time access to be able to withdraw your money in our system, right? And so we've never seen a withdrawal even for... $10 million, for example, take more than 24 hours. It just doesn't happen. And, and so the average withdrawal takes a couple of hours. And then what happens with the rest is it basically goes into a collateralized lending pool. So let's say you're depositing Bitcoin. How do I earn? I think average is paying right now 4.5% on the Bitcoin. How do I earn 4.5%? What's physically happening? Well, we're lending out that Bitcoin, right? But in exchange for the loan, we're taking collateral. 
And the collateral is usually in dollars. Sometimes it's in ether, but usually it's in dollars and, and, and dollars as a stablecoin. Okay, so now we're sitting on that that stablecoin. And and so you're basically getting the majority of that interest payment back to you, but you're also protected on the principal because we're holding that collateral. The inverse happens if you're borrowing against your Bitcoin position. So let's say I'm holding, make the math really simple. I'm holding $100,000. I want to borrow 25000 right? So I would put that um, Bitcoin into an interest earning account and Abra would say, okay, here's 25000 at like a 4% interest rate, right? That's a product that we're actually in beta testing now. Uh, I'll give it away. That's launching in a, in a couple of weeks. Okay. Okay. And so, so now I can basically see, all right, well, 4%, I pay to Abra uh, and I borrow the dollars. I'm paying the loan back in dollars because that's what Abra has lent me. And I'm still getting the benefit of my Bitcoin value going up. And I'm also not paying taxes on the fact that I've drawn money against the Bitcoin because it's a loan. It's not a sale of Bitcoin, right? At least in the West, that's the way the model works. I'm not aware of any countries where I'd have a taxable event on, on a loan. Um, and that's that's a big advantage, right? Especially as people are becoming kind of crypto crypto wealthy, which I think is gonna is gonna be a, a big phenomenon in, in the coming years as well. Yeah. And and so all you're doing at that point is you're making your loan payment against the collateral. If the price of Bitcoin, uh, for example, were to fall like let's say 60%, you would probably get a collateral call which basically says you have 72 hours or 48 hours, whatever the terms are, to put additional collateral into the wallet. If you don't, we'll simply sell enough collateral to put you in compliance with the loan. Or if you don't make your loan payment, we'll simply sell enough collateral to put you in compliance with the loan. That's right. it. So, yeah, no, I, I mean, but I'm kind of okay with all that bit. Um, I, I guess a couple of, I've got a couple of interesting questions. First one, just a, do you ever like panic with all this, this large amounts of Bitcoin going around, being moved around into different pools that like one little line of code here fucks everything up. Like, do, do you ever, yeah. do you sleep at night? Well, if you were a guy who panics easily, you should not be running Abra <laughs> or any company in the crypto space. Um, it's it's definitely a, uh, this is a game of attrition. And I think that Abra has been at this for a few years where we've been patient. We've been smart in terms of how we built our rails. Uh, mm -hmm. We focus on compliance, but we also focus on consumer protection. Not because the government tells us to, because it's prudent. When we design our, our own interest-bearing product, we used Bill Barheit as the kind of core user. Because what I said is, okay, you guys have 18 months. After 18 months, I want all my bank accounts shut off. I want to be done with the banking system. First step oh, really? is manage my deposits. Second step is let me borrow. Third step is let me pay my bills. And then I want to be done. But I want it to be in a way where I trust what's going on so that I can go out on... Peter McCormick's show and say, I trust this for my own money. And so therefore, here's why. And by the way, here's why I trust it. And therefore, in my opinion, is it's okay for you to trust it too. If I can't do that, I don't want to sell it. Hold on. Do you uh, not have a bank account? I do. But I'm hope, um, my goal is to have it shut off by the end of 2021. I have two left. I've shut most of them off. And my goal is by the end of this year, all of the features that we need at Abra to enable me not to have those accounts will allow me to shut those accounts off for the last, for, for good. I haven't been able to get a business account for my business in over a year. It's crazy and always different reasons. I've ended up moving to TransferWise. I don't know if you know TransferWise. I, I, transfer. sure. I mean, I worked in the remittance business. They're a great company. Yeah, I mean, so I've essentially kind of got a pseudo bank account with them. Yeah. Uh, and the, the brilliant thing is because I get paid by some companies in dollars and some in pounds, 
They just stay in separate accounts. So I don't even have to yeah. lose my exchange rate amount now. Yeah, they're very you clever just, with their IBAN system, yeah. They're yeah. so clever. I've got a card. I can do direct debits. The only thing they, uh, they need is to add a Bitcoin account to it. But so so like, now imagine, take that model, Peter, take that model mm-hmm. and make it Bitcoin-centric. That's effectively yeah, that's what our and, and global. Are you bringing direct debits? Because the one thing that's missing from all of these crypto things is someone allowing you to do direct debits. So I want to do two things. And again, this is what I need because I can't shut off my account until I have this. I want two things, right? I want the ability to spend my dollars that I've converted out of Bitcoin if I've converted them or if it's just salary or whatever directly. Or I want the equivalent of what I get. I use um, the Amazon Prime card right now because I get credits on it and, and, you know, I get purchase protection and I get 30 days to pay. So it's effectively free money for me. I want that drawdown capability against my deposits as well. So I need both. And my goal this year, should my team is going to be pissed when they hear this, is is because but they know that this is what we're doing, is that I want both. And and so if I get that by the end of the year, which is our goal, then I can shut off my my remaining bank accounts. Because I'll, I can also pay all my bills that way now, which is what I do anyway. I just basically collect Amazon Prime rewards uh, when I pay my bills. See, it's so interesting because when it, yeah, one of the things was each time I apply for one of these business bank accounts, it's a good hour's work I have to fill in. And the stuff they ask, what's your line of business? What do you do? How do you make money? Who do you invoice? What countries are they in? How do they pay? I'm like, why do you need to know all this fucking information? And in the end, like I can't, I can't get a bank account. So I'm operating on in this weird combination of Bitcoin, PayPal, and a personal business account. You know, for yeah. a company that's turning over nearly $2 million. Like, that's what I'm having to do. It's yeah. absolutely ludicrous. So, so what should happen yeah. in the future is, is you open an Abra corporate account, you know, yep. via, you know, Peter McCormick Media Empire, you know, uh, LLC. And basically, you can manage your money in pounds or dollar stable coins. Yep. You can faster pay money out from those accounts immediately. And all that's happening in the background is you're converting either crypto or stable coins back to pounds. You can spend off of a, a card. Uh, you can send crypto where you want, and you can manage treasury. It's basically there should be no difference for what you're doing with you know McCormick Empire LC versus what I just described for what I want mm. for myself. And the reason that I said I want this is not because I'm I'm a, a greedy sob who wants to have a hundred person engineering team developing uh, the banking system I want. My you're solving a problem, that, Bill. Everybody else wants it. Yeah, and so I if you get it right to me, I'm out there evangelizing it because I love it, then a lot of other people are going to want it too. I could be wrong, but I don't think I am. And, and, well, and so yeah. that's why we're doing it this way. But like I say, like transfer-wise solves half of the problem for me. I, I, yeah. I signed up without all the big long forms. I can hold my dollar and pound separate accounts, and I don't have to lose money in exchange rate. I can pay my guy in Australia or my guy in America from the different accounts. Like I say, the only thing it misses is Bitcoin. Um, but they're a big company, so I, I kind of like trust them. I think I guess one of the things that I like about having a bank account, the only thing, it's like I, I know I'm assured up to a certain level. Do you think you'll be bringing insurance in, or do you think this is just this we, well, yeah, I mean, you get over insurance on, on the rails in and out because we we work with those come via our our bank trust partner. Right. Um, but but I actually I, I laugh when I hear this question because if if you go back to the explanation that I just gave you as to what's happening when you earn interest. Our positions are way more collateralized than a bank. And in the U.S., the, the insurance only applies up to $250,000. And we have people with way more than that in ABRA accounts, and they're way better protected at ABRA than they are via traditional bank. Because if you look at fractional reserve lending at a bank, 
it's it's way more over leveraged. Actually, we're not over leveraged at all. They're way over leveraged versus what we do, right? Which is basically we aim for one to one collateral with twenty five percent reserves. Uh, it fluctuates from day to day, but but that's the target. And and on the retail side, you can't even borrow, um, you know, one to one. It's usually anywhere from twenty five percent loan to value ratio to a fifty percent loan to value ratio, mm-hmm. which precludes it from having to basically go out and do all kinds of due diligence on you. So if you if you want to get a loan at Abra, we don't have to ask you like all kinds of weird questions about source of funds um, from in terms of like are you a good you know quality borrower because everybody has the same requirement. Here's the collateral requirement: take it or leave it. And I think that as people become crypto wealthy versus the the, the falling value of their fiat, that's going to become a very good deal for people because they can yeah. leave their crypto in place, borrow their fiat, go about their day. And later on, if they want to spend that via our card or if they want to spend it via debit, that's perfectly fine. Yeah, do you know what? You're quite sneaky. You and BlockFi are quite sneaky. You're sneaking in these new banks without without us realizing. <laughs> but you are providing <laughs> like... I'm you doing it, so... <laughs> yeah, well, I know. No, but what I'm saying is like you've seen it ahead of us. I don't mean sneaking up like a bad way, but yeah, like I need this. Insofar that it's the product that I wanted for myself as somebody who's been in crypto from day one, for sure. Dude, all I want is a wallet which I can go into and it has Bitcoin pound, dollar, debit card that works with it, and the ability to set up regular payments like direct debits. That's okay. all I need. That's all okay. I need. And I need at so the end of the I, month to be able to download a PDF. When, when I can basically shut off my bank account, we'll sign up even as a sponsor, and we'll, we'll basically make sure everybody knows that we have that product that allows you in the crypto world to finally shut off your bank account, at least in, in the countries where it's live. Look, I'm ready. When you've got it, I'm ready. All right, man. Well, listen. Look, it is. Uh, we've done an hour, and I, I my uh, my kids need feeding soon, so I am gonna. F- oh, God, I could have talked to you about this subject for hours. Um, we're gonna have to come back and do this again. The, like the yeah. the perfect crypto bank. Um, all right. So let's finish on. We're at fifty thousand. How do you see like this year playing out? Um, I'm kind of interested in people's price targets, even though I'm kind of like in that space. I'm not gonna sell. Uh, I sure. thought. I, th- I think we broke fifty k pretty easily. Um, I'm expecting resistance at 100k, and then I'm seeing these range of prices from like 100 to 400. I'm seeing super cycle stuff. Like, what's your feeling? Or are you just going to come at me and say, Pete, it doesn't matter. Whatever happens, we're good. Well, it does. It, I mean, it matters. Come on, we we, we yeah. can all kind of be coy about it. Price doesn't matter. You know, it's it's a lot of what drives the interest, and so that's good. But I would say, if I look at the tea leaves, we haven't had a a 30% pullback since the um since we went back down to 30,000. Mm-hmm. Uh, when we first got up to, I think it was 44 or 43, whatever it was. So we're due for that. If I had to guess, I would say if you look at the upward slope that we've been on since December, depending upon how fast we get there, you know, if, if it's in February, we could top out just below 60 and easily fall another 30, fall 30%. And then that would actually wind up the rubber band to probably go to 85 to 90. And, and, and so that would take us probably through August, which if you look at stock to flow, it's basically said that's around the time it should happen. And it's uncanny. I mean, mm-hmm. it really is uncanny how accurate that that model has been. Now, what's interesting is once you get to that August time frame, when you start to approach 100, Plan B's two models diverge, right? Because he's got the one model, the original stock to flow, which says we're at 100, 100 for like 24 months, basically. And then he's got his cross asset model, which basically yeah. talks about the next phase, which says, hey, we get up to 250000 this year. 
Now, when you ask him, he's a little cagey about it because it doesn't really help him to put a stake in the ground when he's got both of these plans, which could he, either one could be right. And he's, you know, marketing himself. But but he does kind of say, yeah, I probably put more credence in the in the cross asset model, which has us at 250000 this year. Mm-hmm. Now, last December, when I went on, I think, your show and, and I talked to Pomp and others, I basically said, I think Bitcoin's going to be at 100000 by the end of 21. I still think that's right. But I think that if we get a bunch of other Fortune 500 companies making announcements like Tesla, that is going to push this up to a quarter of a, of a, a million very quickly. And now if you think about it, right, what happened with the share, the, the price of Tesla shares last year? Bitcoin is, is if, if, if the same thing happened in 2021 as happened in, with Tesla in 2020, I think we would be at a quarter of a million at the end of the year. Wow. Nobody's saying that, I mean, some people are saying Tesla's overvalued, but, but it's, it's crystal clear that that can happen. And, and so, you know, now when you go up, uh, you know, 5X uh, in a few months, you can easily see where, hey, another 5X, you know, it's certainly possible. And, and so my, predict- my, my current prediction is, is, is 100,000, and I'm still kind of sticking with that. But I can now see a scenario where, and certainly in the next 10, 11 months, we, we get up to a quarter of a million via these melt-ups driven by, you know, these corporate events. Well, listen, look, I have no idea myself. Uh, I feel like 100 isn't high enough because I don't, you know, we've gone from, what, was it 20 at the start of the year? I can't even remember, 25 at the start of the year. We've doubled already. Yeah. I don't see it taking uh, the rest of the year to get 100. I think we've got a bull market for the whole year, but I don't know. Who yeah. knows, man? It's all exciting anyway. Yeah. Listen, Bill, I'd love to talk to you about this bank stuff. I'd, I'd like to do another one on that um, in future. When it gets nearer to being ready, we should we should cover that. And I'm I'm interested, obviously, in becoming a customer or seeing more about it. But look, if people want to find out more about Arbor or follow you, um, tell them where to do that. Yeah, so Arbor.com is the is the first place you should go and get down. You can download the Arbor app, just linked off the top of the page on Arbor.com. Um, I'm on Twitter, Bill Barheit. My DMs are always open. I spend about an hour a day just responding to all kinds of interesting questions from the crypto sphere. Uh, so Bill Barheit on Twitter and then Abra Global is Abra on Twitter and we're active um, on both channels and, and my team is, is active um, on the Abra channel as well. Awesome, man. Well, listen, always good to see you. Keep saying this everyone now. Can't wait to get on the planes and get back to the States because it's been too, too long. So hopefully I'll see you in person at yeah. some point. Keep crushing it, man. Appreciate you coming on the show. Love what you're doing and yeah, keep, keep doing it, dude. Thanks, Migo. Always a pleasure. Really appreciate it. $52,000 Bitcoin. That's pretty wild, right? It was only, we're coming up to a year ago where we had the Black Swan event, the COVID thing, where the price crashed down to $4,000. And here we are like 13x later. Crazy, crazy stuff. Now, I am really interested to see which nation state is the first to move in and adopt Bitcoin. I mean, I think it's probably already happening in the background, but for someone to declare their hand. I think this could be the next pivotal moment, and there is definitely a first mover advantage, as Michael Saylor has shown with MicroStrategy. I'm planning to go down the rabbit hole with this. I've recorded a show this morning, literally this morning, today, February the 19th, with Balaji covering this, and that's going to be out soon, so keep your eyes peeled for that. Anyway, I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you've got any questions or feedback, you know you can reach out to me. It's hello at whatbitcoindid.com. I will get back to you. Just don't send me any weird stuff. Outside of that, please go and sign up to my newsletter. That's neveredit.com. Daily updates on macro, Bitcoin, and tech. Also, go and check out defiance.news, where we've got our latest show covering North Korea's cyber army. And also, if you love the show, 
if you listen to the show regularly and you've not left me a review on Apple Podcasts, please go and do that. Do me a favor. Go and sign up. Leave me a five-star review if you think I deserve it. If you think the show's shit and you're like, Pete, I'm sorry, you can't have that, and it's one star, I accept it. I accept your criticism. But hopefully you think the show deserves five stars. Anyway, Bitcoin is rallying. We've just had another all-time high, and I'm going to go and get a coffee. Love you all. Have a great weekend, and I'll see you all next week.